It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Thursday, Ashley. And guess what we do on Thursday? We do the Paula Price Show. That is what I thought. So I figured my break with routine. Yes. So here we are today, Thursday, uh, what, a couple of weeks out from Christmas? And uh, I think it's powerful. It is so powerful for us to be able to do that. Welcome, family. Before we get started, share, 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 share. Now, you know how controversial I can be. You know, and so we need to understand that you want to make sure people get on it. We had a blast last night, didn't we, on the Wednesday Warriors with uh, Chief Prophet Tyler Price, who's been doing a phenomenal job taking us through the book before the garden. Yes. If you did not get your copy of that book, you don't have it yet, you need to do it. If you are an apostle or prophet and you're looking for apostolic and prophetic theology in a single text, that is the book for you. You need to go hit www.drpaulaprice.com and order your copy of Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. And, and I think that's the powerful part of that last piece, God's Eternal Continuum. Now, why is the book valuable to you? Again, I just said, if you are, and I'll go with a Bible teacher, you have a Bible school, university, et cetera. You know, most, most um, Christian schools don't want to teach the Bible anyway, so let's give them the, the condensed version of the life of Jesus Christ. Since the Bible is 100% about Jesus Christ. We have to say that to saints. You know, Ashley, I have to point that out. It is, it is 100% about Jesus Christ and the life that he lived before he became flesh, the life he lived on earth, and the life that he gave to all his uh, uh, members of his body, the entire church, born-again Christians, and the life that he's living and setting up for us in eternity. I think I've said it in a nutshell. I think it sounds pretty good in a nutshell, don't you think? Because we have got to stop. You are, sometimes we're arguing with people about the Bible like, what? Are you kidding me? We don't need the Bible to be a Christian. The Bible explains and guides our Christianity. We do not need the Bible to be a Christian. The first Christians did not have a Bible. It took a lot of years for Christianity to compile its sacred book from the experiences, the lives, and the activities of those who, uh, who founded the church, populated the church, 
and we're protecting the church. See, that's, that's what the Bible is all about. We kind of got into this whole soul winning thing and we need to have this. No, you need the classes in eternal life. The Bible will give you classes in eternal life, in everlasting life. That's what it's going to give you. It's going to literally educate you to become a citizen of a world that predates this one and will gobble up this one and will never die. I think I'll have a sip. Are you all out there following me? We're arguing about a book that was compiled and works. It works, but it doesn't, it doesn't make for Christianity. The Bible does not make Christians. The Bible educates Christians. It doesn't make Christians. Christians are not made by, okay, let's read all of these, whatever. Christians are educated, converted, conformed, nurtured but it doesn't make Christians. So all of these arguments about, well, I don't know if this, is, this Bible is happening or not, we don't really care what they know or don't know. We really don't care because we were Christians before there was a Bible. Because the Bible actually is installed in every Christian because its author is installed in every Christian. Oh, that's so good. Every, Jesus literally installs his scriptures in every Christian. Now, we know that, but we don't. You know, we read that passage and said, you know, I will write my laws in their hearts and, and in their minds. I will put them, put them in there. He said, and then I will install my spirit in them to see to it that they do them. So here's where I am. We're arguing over what? We are, if you are born from above, now if you're one of those churches, yeah, well, you probably need some scripture to kind of help you out and do all of those kinds of things because you're following a rote ritual. But if you are born from above and if you're filled with all the fullness of the Godhead, it's there. That's why when you have your prayer moments, et cetera, and then go to a Bible study, you hear all of the things that have been coming up in your spirit that the Holy Spirit has been saying in your spirit because the Holy Spirit is in, nurture, in there to nurture your your righteousness, to nurture your truth, to nurture your relationship with Jesus Christ. So when they start having it, well, you know, the Bible contradicts itself no more than a person would, and it doesn't contradict itself. It expresses a person. You're looking for print. We've been having this journey, but this is a word that God wants to get pushed out in 2018, that we are not just about the print, the printed text. And we are so much more than our prophecies and so much more than our promises and even so much more than the covenant because the covenant cannot be broken. The covenant that God made with us, he already made with his other world before we even came on the scene. And so we are so much more than that. We are the personification, the vessels of the resurrected Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is who we are. And because you have preachers that won't read the Bible because they don't have time, and if they don't read it, they can't teach it, and so and who prefer to read books about the Bible and lift excerpts and, and uh, snippets out of context, you don't know who you are in Christ. You don't know the powerful work that Jesus Christ did to bring you from heaven to earth to get the, to literally to win the authority, the right to put his seed in you. That is why John 1, 12, uh, uh, 11 and 12 says, and as many as believed him, he gave the right, the power to become. We don't deal with that. We don't deal with that like we should, that he 
he gave the right or the power to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Why do you think that the media fights so hard to keep the name of Jesus off the screen? Why do you think plays and, you know, and different things do not want Jesus Christ mentioned? Satan is, in, is not only is he intimidated, he is destroyed by every time Jesus' name is mentioned and takes this role because Jesus has the one name that has all power. Everybody else's name has a sound, maybe has a meaning, but Jesus' name has power. You know, so you Christians who say, well, I just don't think that it should be Jesus all the time. Yeah, but it should be, should be Satan all the time, right? It should be cuss words. It should be violence. It should be sex acts. Christians, get saved. Y'all need another dip in the blood. I'm going to ask God to give y'all another dip in the blood because that first dip didn't take. It probably just laid on the top of your skin. You know, you get some cheap oil laid on the top of your skin. So that first dip may not have been Jesus. Because when God steps on the inside of you, you are a different person. When he, when, I'm telling you, when you allow him, if you hinder God and you literally take that seed of Christ and put it in a capsule in your spirit and then set it to the side while you go on and live life as usual, oh, come on, somebody. There's no way. The things that the church okays, approves in the name of Jesus tells me that we got a greatly unchristian church. We got Christian on the building, Christian on the propaganda, but we have, like in, um, in Isaiah, I believe it is in Isaiah or Ezekiel, where on the other side of the wall, these preachers are serving other gods. And I think about that. I think about that a lot. When I, when I start talking, I said, but wait a minute, but God, he said, you know, son of man, come, Ezekiel, son of man, come. Let me tell you what they're doing. Let me tell you what they do after church. Let me show you what, the, what they do when the last amen has happened. Let me show you what they do when they walk off the stage and you hopping and jumping and praising to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what they do in their home hotel room. Let me tell you what they do in their homes. Let me tell you the secret meetings that they go to in the private caucuses of darkness. Let me tell you what they do with the assassinators of my church and the assassins of my people. Let me show you. And Ezekiel said, and, and God took him to a wall and showed him, gave him vision, and saw all of those high people serving, fellowshipping, and communing with demons and with their representatives in the flesh. And that's what you're facing today. So you're, you're being sold the picture, and, 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 you know, the picture is not wrong. But you need to know if these people have the relationship and the power with Christ to bring you through, to get you saved, to get you sanctified. Because salvation is just step one. Salvation is exiting the womb. Sanctification is the lifelong journey. Sanctify it. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is true. The church is not in trouble for what you think. It's not in trouble because of the wicked ministers. It's not in trouble for all that. It's in trouble because we do, you don't know your God. And the only place you can find him is in that Bible. And you know what's so interesting, interesting about that? I asked the Lord. I said, but Lord, why would you do that? He said, because, first of all, God didn't lock himself in the Bible. He installed himself in humans. Now, you know that's good. Isn't that good? 
I think that slapped good. Just a little bit. Maybe another. He installed himself in people. And he didn't just install himself. He installed his entire kingdom. Every one of us is a vessel of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How did he do it? He did it by a single seed, the seed of Christ, in whom is all things. See, if you didn't get saved by the right Jesus, you don't have an inheritance, you don't have a hope, you don't have a reason. Nothing makes sense. But when you get saved by Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, the sovereign who left his throne to come to earth to be a savior and, then, and, and a sacrifice and then went to hell to be a victim so he can gather. The plan is amazing. And I'm going to keep doing it. Apostles preach the gospel, and they don't preach a perverted gospel, and they don't stand there looking like other deities, dressed like other deities, marred and scarred like other deities, ornamented like other deities, and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't do that. Because when you are really saved, you are sorrowful. You are sorrowful. I mean, you're not just sorry. You are sorrowful. You're grieved, you're remorseful about all your former life did and all you have done to misrepresent this man. You have served his enemy in his own altar, at his own altar. You've done that. And I'm never going to stop saying it. You cannot tell me that I know Jesus. I don't just know Jesus because I read it. I went past print, past prophecy, past promises, past covenant, even purpose. Went right to the person. I deal with the person. When you read the scriptures, the apostles always tell you and, and prove to you that they have been with the man, Christ Jesus. Anybody who's been with Christ Jesus is not tatted. I'm telling you. They're not tatted. They're not pierced. They're not tattered with the little tattered jeans on. They're not looking like other deities. They're not in sin. They don't have girlfriends and boyfriends. They're not, not apostles. Not, not apostles and not real prophets. They don't have that. They don't have boyfriends. They don't have girlfriends. They're not hanging out at the club. They're not doing all of those kinds of things because they met something that was so transformative. God is somber, and you come back with a somber spirit. The weight of God is the somberness of God. You come back with sobriety. All of a sudden, the intoxications of the world are gone, and you come back with the sobriety when you have been with the resurrected Christ. That is what I know, and I look at apostles, and I know the ones who have been with Jesus, and I know the ones who haven't, because you cannot be in that man's glory. You cannot look him in his face. You cannot sit with him and receive his excellence and come back and follow worldly trends. You can't do it. You can't come, you, you, it's an impossibility. You can't do it. You cannot have been with Jesus, even as a sheep that got saved, because there are some very serious sheep out there. You all, there are some of you all out there, you don't mess with the king because you met the king. If you never met him, then you can't ever represent him. You will always, always, always change everything to Satan's advantage. You will always do it. You'll come if you've never met him. You'll come, you, you will always change, adapt your Christianity to the world, to the ways of the world, the cultures of the world, the business of the world, the ways the world does things. That's what. That's how you know a person's not saved. That's how I know. I'm like, well, you're not saved. See, you know, we in the '90s we got pummeled for saying people weren't saved. How were you to know? And so, of course, I was brand new, brand new saved, so I didn't know either. But as I learned and grow and read my book and read my Bible and gained a, 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 the sense of 
the character of God, the purpose of God, God's issues. Half of your trends are God's issues. No, all your earthly trends are God's issues. God's issues with other gods, God's issues with sanctifying his church, God's issues with being known correctly so that as Matthew 7 doesn't have to happen. I never knew you. Didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name? You are getting all upset because these people got prophecy and you don't have a clue about whether or not they are prophesying from Jesus Christ or they're prophesying from a knockoff. Paul knew. Now, Paul understood that. Paul knew. Because when he was in Ephesus and that, that, that divining damsel, that psychic, that false prophesier kept following him. These men have, are from God to show us the way of God. And everybody else, the unlearned would say, wow, look at that. Even, even Diana's prophet gets it. And that wasn't true. Paul knew. I'm telling you why Paul knew. You want to know? I don't know. Ashley, maybe they don't want to know. I want to know. And so they can find out when you tell me. Okay. So you want me to tell you? You can tell me right now between us. Between us, yes. secretly. Yes. Okay. Because Paul knew, because Paul knew that the demons know the name of God. The demons, really, they recognize God and they tremble. But they, Paul and Barnabas, and Paul and Silas were sent by Jesus Christ. It's the name that's above all names, but it's the name of the stumbling, that is a stumbling block and a rock of offense. The name Jesus Christ, let me tell you, it inflames some people so much, they don't even know why. That's how much, how much uh, uh, worldliness and Satanism they got in them, even if they're not following. They, all of a sudden, they're mad. Their eyes turn blood red. They bulge out, and they go crazy over the name of Jesus. I said, ooh, I should never saw that. I was like, ooh. This works. They don't. They don't flare up at Buddha. They don't flare up at Allah. But honey, the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ, that name ticks them off because all them devils remember they lost to him. They actually serve him, and that he is their God. And they don't like it. They try to replace him. And so if, as they're walking in people, and as they're in their people, they honey, they get crazy. They get, that's how you know devil's in charge. They get scared of, see, they don't, like all of this they're doing, they are not telling me that I'm in the wrong faith. They are affirming my faith and affirming the truth. And so all of this stuff that they're doing, that's affirmation. Stop thinking of it as just persecution. It is affirmation. They're letting me know they are not trying to do anything else but that. Now, right now, in order to make it look good, they, they'll, they'll go and do some kind of make a show of maybe messing with another worship house or something like that. But that's not what their problem is. Their issue is, because if that was the case, then we would not have them talking about yoga and talking about um, all of these other Eastern ways and practices, clearly, because they won't let us talk about the Bible. They won't talk, let us talk about laying on of hands, casting out and anything. They won't let us talk about praying for anybody. But at least the others, they get those voices. So remember, the name of Jesus is the name that shocks them. Something about the power in that name, something about what that name provokes the Holy Spirit to do. Because the Holy Spirit responds to Jesus. He said he will take of what, of what is mine and show it unto you. It's the name of Jesus. When you see these ministers all of a sudden stop talking about Jesus, and you see them, they, they're, they're on the rise, and they can't mention Jesus, they start singing, you know, 
uh, impersonal songs, a third person, him, her. When you see that, you need to know they cut a deal behind the doors. There are several, several men right now walk, uh, uh, traveling to church, setting up young ministers for assassination, to assassinate their salvation and to assassinate their church and to flip it into what they want. And they're, so, and they're telling them, and they're all worldly trends. You know it because they dropped the clergy wear, put in the braids, put in the T-shirt, put in the muscle shirt. They, 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 ch- they let the hair grow out or go get some dreads put in their hair. Anything named dread ought to tell you. Dread. So, so shouldn't I tell you? you locked in dread. So that ought to tell you. They go. They, they come out of their their suits and they're in jeans and they're in. And then if they're really changed, they're in tattered jeans. They for vagabond look. See when they start looking like you. And looking like that which you don't yourself do, you need to understand that preacher has cut a deal with one of these emissaries of darkness, who told them I can make you big. If you drop the name of Jesus, if you drop the scriptures, if you drop Christianity as it is written, if you allow me to culture craft your Christianity and your image as a Christian preacher, I can make you big. Now, and, and now that happens in the church and it happens in the world. And so you yourself have got to notice, why is pastor suddenly so worldly? Why is, why is, why is apostle suddenly so, so uh, carnal? When you start looking at your, pre- your Christian preachers and your females and, and they start, honey, dropping cleavage, taking you down into Venus Valley, you better know that that woman has turned on Christ. Somebody has to give you signs. When you got to meet her boobs before you meet her face, when you got to watch her behind snap and pop in latex britches, that woman has sold out because the first thing that, that they do with the females is they push immodesty. So if the world is immodest and they're lost, why is a preaching woman immodest and she's saved? So you have to know the signs of my preacher cutting a deal with Satan. The signs of my preacher, my pastor, cutting a deal with Satan. Because there are specific signs. It's not a one day you went to sleep and it was this, and the next day you wake up and that. No, no, no. It's a gradual dropping of a lot of things. It's a gradual loosening of the reins and the holes of righteousness. It's a gradual deterioration of the truth. It's gradual, but it's, it's, it's continual. And if you watch it from year to year, you're going to watch them talk about they're going to change the, the, the singers. The singers can now look trashy because they are now – Work, they are now emissaries of demons like Jeroboam. Jeroboam switched his fingers and switched his ministers to give jobs and opportunity to demons. That's in Bible. Read it. Look up Jeroboam and see what he did to God. Manasseh took down the emblems of, of the nation and put up astrology in their place. And he put up, made, built a whole house, a shrine for all the hosts of heaven. In their place. When your preacher starts talking about astrology is not wrong, you need to worry. You need to start doing it. I'm giving you a checklist because nobody else would do it. Everybody else would say, well, you know, he's still a man of God. Let me tell you something. If you go to your company tomorrow and start pulling down their branding emblems tomorrow and putting up the branding of others, you will not have a job. 
And yet we do that to Christ all the time. You go tomorrow and say, I know that this is our, our company uniform, but I prefer this. I look better in this. And you know what they're going to tell you? you should, you'll probably work better someplace else in that. There are things that we, are, that we are isolating as just, you know, Christian things that are just universal. You know, they're just universal. That's why a lot of people don't respect us because they're like, well, are you kidding? Same way with my job. Same with the military. Same way with, with the hospital. You know, the one thing that bothers me if, when I used to go to emergencies and whatever is that the doctor come out looking like he's a, a, a kid in high school. I was like, that doesn't impress me because that tells me that you are separating yourself from the whole and, and choosing to stand out. Individuality causes division. That's the whole purpose. That's why divide is in the middle of it. So when you see your pastor now, we're now not going to do this, or we're now not going to sing those kinds of songs, and they start dropping the bar, dropping the bar, dropping the bar. It's kind of like Solomon, when, when, when they, when they sold, uh, Solomon sold the golden shields and swords and then put bronze in their place. That's a step down. That's a drop trade down. And so when you start seeing your pastors do that, your leaders do that, you better go 1098-321 because they have sold you out. See, they didn't just sell themselves out. When you're in leadership, you have to sell yourself as the head and then your body. And that's why some of your churches, you started having diseases like crazy. You started having rebellion, kids' rebellion, pregnancy all over the place. You started having addiction issues and all of that. And why? Because your pastor, your leader, sold you to another God. We call it culture. We call it trends. But in the end, it's a sellout. You have been sold. And so even though Christ bought your spirit with a price, your soul and your body and your household has, have been sold. And you should know that because Satan comes and he, his changes are not they're, not, um, they're not undetectable. You went from this to putting dreads. Dreads were not created like that. You're talking about culture to culture. Dreads, a whole other culture. And it's a culture of death. That's why it's dreads. You start changing attire, what are you changing from? You're changing from holy to profane, holy to defile. Women are starting to strip their bodies and become and, and bear their breasts. Read what it says. There is a passage in the scripture that said women bear their breasts when they go into captivity. So you know that they are captive by another spirit. Oh, yeah, let's talk about it. And talk about women, um, um, the, you know, uh, the attire of a harlot. Proverbs 7 talks about the attire of a harlot. These are, but see, you're not in your Bible, so you don't know God's mind on this, which is why you're assuming when your pastor says it's okay that there's somewhere in creation that agrees with your pastor or, or confirms your pastor's word. You all coming to church looking like whores means that Diana, and Asherah are now the goddesses you're serving. And now you might not, you know, because I hear people say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, we, obviously you don't. That's why you're doing it. Because even the Holy Ghost on the inside can't convince you. The, 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 the unction on the inside cannot convince you. Oh, hallelujah. So even though you may have said the sinner's prayer, you have capped the growth. It's kind of like a baby brought home. I mean, a, 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 a sperm being put in a t test tube and just left there. 
never grow, never connect it, just left. Eventually, what's going to happen to it? And so you yourself need to know, because it is your salvation, I'm telling you, as surely as Jesus is Lord and he is the witness to this show, you will never be able to explain your way out of your mistreatment of him and your abuse of his rules and abuse of his righteousness. You won't. He will not listen. He will not listen. He cannot listen because he's already judged it with his citizens in the other world. You're like, well, I don't really care, but isn't that what you're supposed to do? You're t- we got saved to be what? To, to be with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. What do you think he's doing, just sitting on the phone, on the throne with a bunch of people looking like a mob scene around his feet? That is not Jesus. He has a thriving, vibrant, dynamic kingdom. And, folks, there are new bodies waiting for us. And there are new lives waiting for us. And we have got to earn it. But you need to recognize, people, hear me. I will say this word because you have to get it in your spirit. God is not the only one who does not want your sinful soul in heaven. Wasn't that good? God is not the only one who doesn't want your sinful soul in heaven. You think it's all about God. God is the guard. He said, I am the door. I am the way. I'm the life. God is the access, and he's also the reject. And so he has whole citizens who have fought and gone through all kind of things, all manner of, 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 of turbulence to get heaven the way it is and the way Jesus now describes it. He has gone through that. Those citizens don't want you there. They don't want you as their next-door neighbor. They don't want you who are serving sin here to be their next-door neighbor, just like you don't want criminals as your next-door neighbor. They don't want that. They don't want you bringing the very demons that they labor to get cast out of their world back in, in your, in your vest or in your makeup. See, that's how serious this is. This is a sober thing. This is God's sobriety. You think that, well, okay, well, I mean, I just think a loving father wouldn't do it. The loving father may or may not, but understand, God is a father of righteousness. He's the father of light. He's the father of love. He's the father of obedience. God's the father of a lot of things, but he's not the father of sin. And he's not the father of immorality. And he's not the father of murder and, and crime. He's not the father of deceit and deception. He's not the father of uncleanness. He's not the father of profanity. So when you want to talk about a loving father, let's make sure we understand what God really fathered. Because you want God to be, the, you want to go with the wrong father. You give him the wrong name to the father of your behavior, the father of your belief system, the father of your facts. You are naming that Jesus. That is a false Christ. Because the life you want to live is not what God fathered. Am I getting fresh after? Boom. Had to do that. We need to change some things, don't we? We need to change how we see God. And we need to change the way we keep saying it. And we're like, but he's a loving father. He is. He's a loving father of what he fathered. He is not a loving father of what he had to slaughter, kill, and literally evict from his realm. So if you want to blame the fatherhood of God on your sin, on your laxity, on your indulgence, on your duplicity, then you need to find the right God. 
which is why Jesus can say in Matthew 7, Lord, we had, did we not preach the gospel, uh, uh, prophesy in your name and cast out devils? And Jesus is like, but I didn't know you because I never fathered you. I never begot you. You were never begotten in me. You just picked up our uh, our practice. You picked up our techniques. You did all of that, but you picked them up for your own reason. So when somebody says to you, a loving father, you have to ask them, what is it that they're calling fatherhood, and what do they think God fathered? Isn't that good? I'm not getting that. I'm going to get God fathered the world that begot this one. And then he fought for it. And then he, he purged it. And then he established it. And then he set up guards and safeguards to make sure that the thing he cast out never comes in in any form, not stealthily, not sneakily, not under the wire, not above the radar, never. Why do you think it was important for him to get into Adam? And why is it that when he got into Adam, God had to step out of Adam because Adam knew how to get into his realm? And God had to block that knowledge. And, and, and literally, that's what the two cherubims were about, far the way to the tree of life. And when you fall into sin and you refuse to repent of it, as long as you don't know it, God is like, okay, let me, Holy Spirit, let's just teach them, let's learn them, you know, let them learn how it is. We don't want them, you know, misunderstanding. And so he will continue to teach you until you become obstinate. And then he goes from teaching to chastening. And then after chastening, he goes on to accepting that you don't want it. And from after chastening, when it doesn't work, when God's chastening doesn't change you, then he severs you. He literally quarantines you so that the rest of the body is not there. That's why people leave your churches. God walks out problems. We just think he only walks in new members, but God walks out problems. That's why some of them leave your church. That's why some of them, your leaders, when they make your leader cut deals because they can't live the life of Christ and you still are trying to be a faithful shepherd or faithful leader over the flock, God will move that leader. Likewise, he will walk those leaders out if you yourself change. We don't say that people cut deals all the time because the way of this world is immediate. You, who wants to wait? I don't want to wait 70 years for God to decide to bless me. And if you didn't get in it for God, then you will never defend God in it. It won't be protection from the Holy Ghost. So as we go on and we're going to do a lot of things and cover a lot of things, you need to recognize that God fathered, he's, the Bible calls God the father of light, the father of spirits, the God of all flesh, the God of the spirits of all flesh, the God of the prophets. You, are you getting a point here? The God of salvation, the God of deliverance and healing. God, I mean, you know, the, the repair of the breach. We can go on. But none of that, none of that advocates the trendy sins and perversions of the ancient world that we have brought alive in the present. You, God still says a woman that has no modesty is a woman of shame, and she's serving a, 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 another God, a dead God. 
Now, if you're unsaved, you know, because the people are unsaved, the least that they got to worry about is their attire. They need to worry about their soul. Can we just get you saved? But when you get saved, sin is not, before you get saved, sin is not what you do. Sin is what you are, what you're made of. You're made of that which kills, that which offends God. That's what hates God. When you get saved, then sin becomes a matter of what you do as an immortal being. See, what you do as a mortal, <clears throat> you're immortal. They're, God expects it like babies. You know, you just expect that. You expect the, the, the drug addict to do drugs and the, whatever. But when you are, when you get saved, you are no, you're right. You are no longer, ju- come on, oh, Jesus. Oh, did it, oh I'm just, last year I'm going to get lost. Come on, help me. Mm. Yeah. When you get saved, before you're saved, you're judged according to the flesh. And the law of Moses is what God uses to govern the flesh and to address human sins, carnal frailties. He uses the law of Moses. That's why he sent the Jews in all the world. He uses the law of Moses because that's the only righteous code in existence. Now, when you get saved, because under Moses, you're mortal, you're doomed to die, you, the best you can get is long life and prosperity in your long life. When you are born again, born from above, you are no longer judged as a mortal. You are judged the way God judged angels and not just angels, other, other spiritual beings. The, what you are judged as God judged other deities. You're also judged as his offspring. Now, as his offspring, that's a big statement. Isn't that a big statement? So you are no longer judged as a mortal. You are judged as an immortal. Now, what does that judgment look like? That judgment looks like it did when Lucifer sinned. He sinned as an immortal. He sinned as a celestial. He sinned as an eternal being. He did not sin as a mortal. So now you are judged as an immortal, which is why hell has to exist, which is why the furnace and the flames of hell have to burn hot, because you are not, you have been, that's what he's talking about in Hebrews 6 and in Hebrews 10. You think that what you do now, you, you think when you get saved, you, you know, you get saved, and I serve God for three months, three years, 13 years, it doesn't matter, 14, it doesn't matter, but then you go back. You think you're going back to what you were. You are not. You are not going back. You may go back under the, the as a matter of fact, you can't even go back under the law of Moses like that, which is what Paul was saying. You now have to, you, you fall, but you fall as one who knows eternal life who knows God's righteousness, who knows God's purity. And that is a different judgment because that judgment is permanent because God said, he said in his word, there's no more sacrifice for sin. I don't have anything else to give you. And since sin was a matter of genetics, hmm. I'm going to leave that alone. Prophet? We'll send it back to last night. <laughs> Before the guards, Wednesday Warriors broadcast here. Pick up on that line of thought about mm-hmm. uh, sin being in the genetics. Absolutely. Your turn. Come on, girl. Oh, oh.
Well. Well, well. The deep thinking glasses. Yeah. Okay. Your turn. Don't we have another prophet? She'll, I'm sure she'll be popping. She's moving down the hall, huh? Um, talking about these emissaries of darkness <laughs> going to the churches. Uh, there's a real revelation happening here today. <laughs> a real, I would say, opportunity for people to repent mm-hmm. and to get it right. But when you were talking about these emissaries of darkness going around to ministries, now you are speaking also from experience because you've been visited yeah. by people. Oh, in many ways. And been in meetings and whatnot of if you do this and if you just do that. So you're not just talking as somebody who is, you know, only Dr. Price. Yeah. Saying, or I, I peered into the spirit realm and this is what I saw. <laughs> I mean, this is a long-standing campaign. Yeah. In churches to get ministers to turn, to get churches to turn against Jesus Christ. Yes. A very real thing. Hey, Hi. I think that I think we are so, you know, spiritually minded and everything with God is spiritual that we don't really think there are meetings that take place, Mm -hmm. strategies that happen, bank accounts that are open. Mm-hmm. And people sent out on a campaign with a checklist yeah. to destroy God's church. And part of the the, uh, the difficulty they have is, like you said, everything is spiritual. But but if you're superstitious, you don't expect spiritual things to show up in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're superstitious, you everything is goofy and spooky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you are, when you have been truly nurtured in Jesus Christ, you realize everything spiritual has to have a human outlet to affect humanity's institutions and systems. Because that's what it is. We're churches and institutions. So you want to, you you think that, well, the devil just comes and stands there and gets everybody sick and feeling bad. That might be what he does, but that's not what he's going after. He's going after, after darkening the systems of this world and Mm. retrieving them under him because that's what he lost. Now is the prince of this world cast out. You know? You made a statement somewhere in my notes <laughs> about we don't, you don't even know what's in the Bible. No. And so we're talking about a loving God uh-huh. when there are multiple accounts, multiple scriptures of him addressing the issue, judging mm-hmm. the issue, killing people, sending out diseases. I mean, plague now that we have, some of these things are just a plague. We, mm-hmm. we have wrapped it in some nice language and CDC, this, that, <laughs> and the other statistics, but they're plagues because we can't stop them. Okay. And they keep spreading as a judgment uh, on our sins. But for, for that, can you just speak into, again, the importance of knowing your word? How, no, let me ask this question. How can somebody read their Bible not according to how we've been taught to see it. Because mm-hmm. you've always taught us, you know, you read the word based on how you're taught. I mean, when I first met you, and I'm sure Prophet Dia can attest to this as well, I'm sitting in service and I'm looking at scriptures that I know I've heard my whole life, and I've never seen it that way. How can somebody begin to break away from and, and begin to determine or find out mm-hmm. 
if they're reading their word doctrinally or culturally yeah. and not in the spirit of the, you know, instead of in the spirit of the truth? The first thing that I would say is that re- take the sermons that you're listening to and the scriptures that they're slicing and dicing and go read them yourself. I would sit in services, Ashley, mm-hmm. as a new Christian, as a young Christian, and I mean, I would be sitting there, man, and I mean, they're preaching. This preacher is going after it, and it is wonderful. And um, there's one that calls to mind, but I just, we were sitting there, and we looked, we were following, because he told us, open our Bible. Mm-hmm. And I realized that scripture did not say that. It didn't imply it. It didn't insinuate what wow. he was preaching. Wow. Folk were on the floor frothing at the mouth. That's why people came to do it. Even y'all too. Y'all won't sit and listen. Woo. You know? You guys got to, you know, you, I mean, think about it. You go there and a, a, and a preacher, an Afri- particularly African-American, and if you are not frothing at the mouth, if you're listening and learning, yes. they're angry. That's true. That's you're not true. sitting on my word. Yeah. Come on. Okay, I can't get no help in here. If you need help, you should have got that before you stood up. <laughs> Because I don't stand up to call my help from the people. Yeah. Because good. I practice and I yeah. train. So those are some of the. That's one of the things I would say is that you take those. Stop listening and taking the notes that answers your questions and start taking notes that give you information, and that feed your intelligence. Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing is there's a reason why. In First Corinthians twelve twenty eight, and Ephesians four eleven, the Lord has teachers. Now, many of you all have fallen into the, uh, the uh, people who don't like education, you know, poor students, poor learners, et cetera. Um, you've fallen into them holding one little passage. You need no man to teach you and, but, because you have an unction. But understand, that same passage is there where Paul said, learn, teach, be taught, a servant of God must be apt to teach. So there can't be a conflict. And if there isn't a conflict, which is what is easy for us to assume, there can't be a conflict. There has to be an explanation. And it is your job to find out what that actually means, comparing all of those passages about being taught, a disciple being discipled. You know, the teachers will receive the stricter judgment, the harsher judgment, and all of the, why are we saying that? We're saying that because you, you are supposed to be taught the word of God, and you're taught by those who sit in God's counsel, who, who go to his classes, who sit in his lectures and work with his word, not just his, his, his voice, work with his word. People are teaching you the voice of God without teaching you the word of God. And that is like somebody recording me singing, talking about this is my doctrine. No, this is my song. <laughs> okay. Or somebody recording me prophesying, saying, this is my theology. No, that's my prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so you need the didactics. You need that. In the, and you need to be trained. It said, as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. When people say to me, I want to grow in Christ, I want to know, are you reading your Bible? Are you in a teacher? And new babes can't teach themselves. You don't send kids to kindergarten to teach themselves. That's true. You don't send them to elementary school to teach themselves or any school for that matter, you send them to the one who has learned and mastered what they must learn to teach it to them. Most of you all have been told you don't need a teacher, you don't need a preacher, you don't need, you had a whole, do you realize those are institutional destroyers? These, those, those words are meant to demolish the institution of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Am I saying, just want to get it in there. Two meetings today. Yeah, two. 
And so you need to listen to your preachers and think about it and then take what they say and your notes and then lay it against what keeps life going, what keeps the world going. Understand? Because all that you are hearing, this has been a 30, 40-year campaign, active campaign, to demolish the institutions of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, is that not important to know? Very. Because that, that demolition campaign is real. So you don't need, because you know what is God's institution. God's institution is not just the church and the, the canon that we follow, but his first institution is Christ in you. Mm. Christ in you. They are working at demolishing the Christ in you. And you need to recognize that why is that important? God, God, I don't know why you say that, because the Bible says that we are the holy habitation of God, of the Godhead in the spirit. So they have to destroy the spirit of Christ that's being erected in you, the person of Jesus Christ, the message, the doctrine, all of that. So you are the first institution. Hmm. And once, because remember, the early church didn't have buildings. Mm-hmm. They didn't go to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They gathered, yeah. but they didn't go to church. Yeah. Didn't have buildings. So that's the first thing you have to recognize. When, you, when, you, when your pastor talks about you don't need teaching and you don't need that, and that's an intellectual devil. I oh, still don't God. even know what an intellectual devil is. I'm still trying to find that because the brain supposed to be intelligent. Okay, so I'm still, <laughs> It is brain after brain. Okay, so, but it's, that's, a, that's just, you know, knowledge, puffs up, love, edifies. Yeah, knowledge over love, yes. Love should be over knowledge, but knowledge should not be eliminated. <laughs> right. And so you, you and you all are like that. You go there. Oh no, they don't need to know that. They don't need to know that. That's just way too deep. No, uh, uh-uh. uh. They just need to follow their heart and follow their spirit. How do they know? Where is the intelligence to tell them they're following their spirit or someone else's? They need intelligence for that, and intelligence has to be taught. You know, you can be bright, you can be smart, yeah. but intelligence has to come from you being taught. And so I think that I would I would deal with the fact that when you go to a new job. The first thing they tell you to do is you need to be trained. You come to a new God, you need to be trained. You want a promotion on your job, you need to be trained. You want a promotion in God, you need to be trained because God needs you to be useful. But, again, remember, the campaign is to demolish the Christ in you. Write that down because this has been a demolition derby that Satan has waged against the vessels of the Godhead, and he's demolishing your thoughts. He's demolishing you, and he's putting his weaker version and his perverse version in you in place of that which he is demolishing. Now, what is he demolishing? Well, he's taking the word of God out, and he's giving you the word of spirituality. So you're getting spiritual words. You're getting spiritual messages. You're getting supernatural uh, conversation and training. You know, you're getting all, divination. You're getting all of his spiritualities in place of Christ. Now, and you, and you don't know that it's a problem until it starts owning you. In the beginning, it pretends to let you use it. But later on, it begins to own you. And it begins to speak, and it begins to prophesy, and it begins to pray, and it begins to be the, the subculture institution in your book. The truth that brought you into Christ, your true faith. That, and so it feels good. It feels really good because it's with your flesh. It also feels good because you can see it everywhere. See, you can see, you know, for most of y'all Christians, you are in yoga because you see everybody doing it. Mm-hmm. 
You never checked it out. Never. You never gave God the benefit of the doubt. Never. You never gave his truth the benefit of the doubt. You never gave his way the benefit of the doubt. You never gave any of it. You listened to your pastor who said it's okay, and there you are. You got your, you, you're talking about Christian women wearing sleazy little yoga pants. I still don't understand where that came from. You know, I, I don't get it. I really don't. And so I'm, I'm talking about all women in yoga pants. Come on. Come on, folks. But, but you, you, you never, Christian woman, you Christian daughter, you never gave God the benefit of the doubt. You proved that you were unrighteous and unjust by jumping on a bandwagon you didn't explore. You proved your unrighteousness and you proved that you will never be faithful to God because you can follow another God at the drop of a hat as long as your figure is at stake. Oh, my. Because if you had bothered to learn it, and if your preacher had bothered to be a faithful shepherd, a faithful witness, he or she would have studied it and said, here is why this is not God. But instead, you jumped on a bandwagon because Satan reinvented it as a health exercise. Gullible. Gullible. A leader is a guard, and a guard is supposed to inspect your papers, expect your authority, inspect your right to enter. They're supposed to inspect it. You people never inspect it. You went on somebody, some sort of faith prophet talking about, well, it's just, just the stretching. No, no, baby, it's not just the stretching. Because if it was just the stretching, why was it a religion? Right. And why is it po- propagated by a religion? And if it's just a stretching, what are we stretching for? You usually stretch for something to enter or exit. So I just need you to understand that God is not looking at this the way you do. He's not saying, well, my pastor said it was okay. He said, no, that's when you say, but you need no one to teach you. Because you have an unction, Mm. the holy one, because that queasy feeling, that uncomfortable feeling will start messing with you, and you override it and override it until you silence it. Wow. You asked. I did. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) You you were talking about converting and you need to go to class. When you convert to other religions, they make you go to class. They do. You have to pass tests. You have to prove your conversion was real Mm -hmm. and that it wasn't just an emotional moment. Exactly. And that you're not a spy. Yes. Yes. Uh, Okay. And when you said... um, Anyone who's been with the man Christ Jesus isn't padded or tattered. I just trumped that thing down. Uh, I was thinking about that, and when you said that he is uh, sober and somber when you're with him, and a lot of our come home people and our new people. <laughs> we need to have them on the show. I padded up, yeah, from uh-huh. their previous, from previous their pre- lives, mm-hmm. whether in or out of salvation. And I think that would be actually a funny moment because they're it very honest be. about it. And But to see the conviction. To on them see now? Oh the my repentance, God. I mean, taped up, covered yeah. up, mm-hmm. makeup up, whenever, depending on what we're doing. And it's uh, when even when we were painting, when they were painting the facility and, and all the creative all things, they were covering their tattoos. And, and uh, nobody here was, I mean, we know how we believe, but nobody. to see the in, internal initiative of, oh, no, but, you know, I'm scripture again and culturally I'm modified now. Mm-hmm. I can't, oh, what was I thinking? And just to hear even their own conversations of this was the stupidest thing I could have done. Mm-hmm. Out of rebellion, 
just about everybody. Everybody said was all of them do. They say it was just rebellion. Out of rebellion, and and now I'm stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And to see, but just to see that play out, the truth about how when you really have met the true and living Jesus Christ, you want to hide your sin, you want to cover it up, you want to repent, you you want to tell everybody else, don't do it, mm-hmm. uh, and, and anything you can to make sure that God receives the glory, that people don't walk around confused. And um, when you were talking, I just thought of those funny moments that we still have. We still have. Well, you know, they come, uh, you want to say something? I was just, just thinking about that, and I, my, my thoughts were racing, and I was just thinking that I think that that comes from them being proud now to show restraint, proud now yes. to, yeah. to show uh, a self-control, proud now to demonstrate with, by their actions who they are and who mm-hmm. they serve. You know, I've been watching and kind of, Going through the the second series of The Crown on, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. on Netflix, had finished the first season. I'm on the second season, and uh, I, that series it's just it's very interesting how much they take great strength to protect an earthly institution, yes. to protect what it means. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's so much that goes into we cannot misrepresent the crown. Mm-hmm. So our lives become absorbed into who we are, and it's this divine right, and mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, yes. divine right, divine privilege to represent, and it's it's what we're unwilling to do for who we say is the savior of our soul. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear that, I'm like, yes, because when you really do love him and you've taught on this before, you will do anything to represent this man correctly, even show restraint, even show denial of mm-hmm. self, you know, denial of gratitude, self-gratitude that other people are indulging in and not seeing it as some kind of limitation but seeing it as an honor because it represents who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really powerful. So that's just kind of where my brain went on that. Well, I think that it's powerful to say that because mm. – sorry, I burned. Yes. Um, but I think it's powerful to say that because the reason Christians – easily trade down and easily um, divert or deviate from Jesus Christ is because they don't believe that he's God. You look at the thing, 60-some percent of people that don't believe Jesus is real. You're Christians. No, you're not a Christian. If you're among those 61%, you are not a Christian because you never met God and he never received you. He will tell you, I never knew you. Because those who have been saved will say, oh, no, mm -mm. no, I know Jesus, no. And they will get upset if you that they don't have a day that they were born from above. They were born again. Yeah. So that's number one. When they do those kinds of things, I'm saying, are you kidding? And you came up under a preacher that wasn't saved because unsaved preachers reproduce unsaved Christians or unsaved churches. You weren't a Christian. They rejected Christianity for themselves and saw to it that you wouldn't. What do you say about the lawyers? They, the lawyers were, were refusing to enter in and block everybody else who would have come to Jesus Christ. And your, your pastor blocked your way to the true Jesus Christ. And so you're proud of yourself because you think it's intelligent to say, I don't believe in Christianity. Meanwhile, it's, 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 it's sophisticated. It's, or you think it's sophisticated, rather. But, but when you were all these other gods, oh, yeah, you can celebrate them. No, you are you have never met. I will go on the record to say, if you can be in that number, you were never saved. You had a, a, a spiritual experience. You had a religious experience, a highly emotional encounter with in a church, but you never were saved. And I can say that because I am the one to expect to save. Apostles are supposed to expect the true converts of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and to lay out the signs and attributes of a true convert. So when they people say, and I don't believe the Bible is real. Well, if you're not saved, you wouldn't believe the Bible is real because the Bible in corruptible work 
Christ is what saves you. And then God doesn't just leave it in the Bible. He picks it up off those pages. He puts it in your heart. He puts it in your mind. He puts it in your soul. And then he installs his Holy Spirit in you as a teacher and an educator so that if there is no teacher around you, you can still learn the true and living Jesus Christ. So that's the other thing. And so people don't believe that. And so when people say that kind of stuff, like, well, you, you don't like the guy. You realize that. You don't like the guy. The only reason you accept Allah is because you're scared these people are going to kill you. Because you don't like Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, that's really bottom line. You know, I don't want to do that because they might show up at my door. Yeah, but Jesus is sitting here trying to save your soul, but you don't believe that. That's another thing. And then if you don't believe the king, you won't believe his kingdom. And then you won't believe his kingdom that Jesus has a realm that existed long before us. We won't believe that. And so our job is to teach it. For those who are called to Christ, it is precious manner. Mm-hmm. And for those who are not called to Christ, it is really poison to their soul. Sure. Because when, when you start hearing about God, you start growing. The reason you grow is the manna, is manna, is food. It's the bread of heaven. So that's the other thing. And then you have those people who did not get saved to be redeemed. They got saved to escape. Yes. In other words, they said the sinner's prayer to escape a life they did not lust. Love that I just want anybody, anybody could have shown up. They would have called them God. They were not looking for Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus will take you like that, but then he will begin to present himself and explain himself and unveil himself to you. And it's at those times that you must make a decision as whose God you belong to or whose God is yours. You've got to make that decision, and you do it once but you reinforce it every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Once Jesus becomes your God for real, you can't think of life without him. You just can't. Yeah. And he knows that. So he shows up and he unveils himself. If you are trying to, trying to you know, if you're faking it, he's not going to show up. He's going to just let you be pummeled by whatever fake you're faking. <laughs> you know, that's the truth. And so when we, when we think about using your explanation, people have got to know God You know, God said to me this morning, they need to know I don't care if they don't believe I am. Mm -hmm. Right. He said, I don't have to care. I've already chosen those who will come. I've already condemned those who who won't. I'm settled. God's like, I'm settled. I'm just watching the numbers come in. I'm guiding their lives and nurturing them. But don't think that because you don't believe God exists that heaven's going to stop clouds from, no. That's not going to happen. God is not insecure. He is not inferior to any other God. And he'll tell you, I'm not insecure. You think about it. He won't even talk to you. You realize how many people God won't talk to at all? Yeah. And someone might get a good angel's voice. Maybe. Maybe. So I want you to think differently. Christians, God is not weeping for your soul. He did that. And let's talk about, you know, uh, uh, training or uh, 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 covering your sin. The first thing Adam did when he realized he had fallen is he covered himself. So people have a lot of covers for their fall. <laughs> this is my fall cover. <laughs> This is blanking, you know, it's my job, it's my kids, it's my husband, it's whatever. Because when you meet the right Jesus Christ, the true Jesus Christ, you don't want anything above him. You don't want anybody in his seat, anybody to take his place. Half of y'all got table set or chair set at the table for dead folk, never going to show up. And not a place for Jesus. 
talking. Of 
Mm-hmm. That is something that you don't know. And, and everybody else knows that it's a loveless world. But you're the only one who doesn't know that it isn't a loveless world. You, to you, it's a loving world because you're loved. So there are a lot of things that you do once you get into Satan's world that you get these warm, fuzzy people who show up because they're warm, fuzzy. They're warm, fuzzy until you say the name of Jesus, until you start doing Jesus. All of a sudden, the warmth, the fuzz, and go out, fly out the window. Yeah. <laughs> and so you need to recognize that. There's a wisdom that we must give you. That's why we are wisdom. That's why next Monday I start my show. <laughs> Woo. Wisdom for living. Living. And so I want you to understand where we are and what we have to understand, do and work through. It is very important that you now have intelligence to counter your inspiration and your spiritual instincts, and that requires education. And not everybody can tell you this or tell you that. Wisdom is the principal thing for a reason. And I like what you said about them choosing what they want to be fathered by. You choosing. But if you choose it, don't condemn me because I, because that darkness is not my father. I'm a child of the light. I'm a child of the light. And the light was in the world, and the light shined in the world, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We comprehend you. You just can't comprehend us. Well, how about that? Is that good? That's good. Did you like that? Down to the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Down to the last because because the, we the light we're supposed to comprehend the darkness. Right. Mm-hmm. That's our job. <clears throat> what were you about to say? Because I know you were saying something. Mm-mm. Okay. Because <laughs> your thoughts are ringing in my ear over here. Um, and I want so I want us to think differently. So don't forget two things I want you to do. I want you to get the book before the garden. God's eternal continuum, so you can comprehend the darkness and the light. And it is a great <laughs> illuminator of both. Mm-hmm. I want you to do that. Uh, and then we still have our assessment sale? Yeah, we still have our assessment sale through the 31st of December. So $45 for the minister's assessment, $50 for the process assessment. And how are we doing? Are they are our folks signing in? We're drowning over here, guys, but keep keep. Yes, running. we are. <laughs> We're not drowning enough. We're, I mean, we it, love it. It, it, the floodgates are open, so come on in. <laughs> we, we want you. We want you to take it. Um, get yours in before the end of the year, and we'll get your advisement scheduled. We want you to take it because we want to. Know, we want you to know who you are. We want to be able to equip you. So take it. Take it now. The assessment sales running through the thirty first. Mm-hmm. Now, how can you use your assessment? How can you use your finished assessment? Okay. After you've taken your assessment, you get a 30-minute uh, review with one of our pro- – you get one of these or some of the other ones we got out there, uh, a prophetic advisors or prophet advisors. That's the first thing. But then you can use your assessment as part of your interest process to get into Price University. That's right. So after you've taken it, you've already got one okay. of the requirements out of the way, step one. That's one and you can use that for your enrollment into Price University. You can also use it to set up a coaching program or where we, get, we are your advisors and we literally help you work through various issues of life. You can use that, use your assessment results for your ministerial training track. You can, it literally will tell you. Yes. You need to do this or you need to do that as ministerial trainers. You can also use your assessment advisors to become advisors like these two prophets. Please. 
You know, we need new advisors. We need new advisors. We need more advisors, and we need smart ones. So you can do that, and you can also use this uh, 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 the results if you are a leader, church leader, pastor, or something, for placing your members. Mm-hmm. We have several churches that just send new members through and send candidates for leadership through the assessment program so they themselves can know what they're putting into office, what they're putting into position, and what they are signing over the various departments of their church. So you see, there are a lot of usage I mean, for this. There's a lot of usage for it, and you need to get yours. And, and then talk about the final one. I think to me personally is the biggest one is you can know who you are in God. In black and white, yes. our results stood out who you are in Christ yes. Jesus. In black and white, you can see the, your dominant place, the best, the strength of you, the second strength, and the best environment. You can see how ready you are. You can also see what will take you up or take you out because we have that. Yeah. And lastly, you can find out how many years it would take for you to get ready to be at your peak. Mm-hmm or ready for more education, because it's either or. And then the last thing we give you, which I think is my favorite piece, is we give you a literal list of of developmental priorities that you can use to decide what studies to take, what you need to learn quickest, what what you can learn less, and what can wait, and what you can just strengthen. These assessments are amazing. And they have, how many years have you been doing this? I think we're coming up on 10, right? It's 2007, around there, when we started doing a lot of our series of tests for the public. Mm -hmm. So a decade. So we're coming up on a decade. And and, and they're still working. We have leaders and and, and, uh, church members who often say to us, man, this is great. I'm so glad I did it. And then we have some who don't understand the importance of an assessment. See, a lot of people don't want to be shown for who and what they are. But true leaders, true callers to the top, true advocates of excellence want it. I want to know, and those are ones, we get a lot of those. I just want to know where I stand with God. I want to know what my strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses are. I want to know what I should learn. I'm being called. My pastor said I'm so-and-so. I need to know if he or he is right. You know. <laughs> I did a post-assessment advisor. I think it was yesterday. And I said, you know, what inspired you to take the assessment? And uh, her friend had taken the PAQ several years ago. She said, and she asked me, so, what type of prophet are you? And she said, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You need to take the assessment and find out. She took both. She took the MAQ and then the PAQ. Mm -hmm. And so it was funny. And and you're right. You know, we we are the fivefold, however, you know, simply it's stated or how singularly it's stated, there are literally dozens of pastors, types of pastors, Okay, I'm not an advocate or proponent of the pastor of the broom cloth, but, you know, that's not one. You know, I don't need you to shepherd shepherd the sovereign, okay? (laughs) We don't need you to do that. But there are at least 12 different type of prophets. Am I correct? 12 of them? Minimum. 12. And those are the ones that we had discovered up until 2007. We have also of the people who say, I always go over here and they say I'm a pastor. I always go over here and they say I'm a prophet. Take the assessment and what happens? They're pastor prophet. Go ahead. See? Pastoral prophet. prophet. And it comes up so that you know. There are also as many apostles, uh, 
there is also as many, uh, we talked about prophets, pastors, even teachers. There are times that you're called, people who get a prophetic word that thus says, Lord, you're called to teach. And you say, yeah, all right. And you think, well, what would I teach? I don't want, or I don't like kids. I don't like kids. Well, just saying right. children, classes. No, I, I guess you're not training, not corporate, not anything else, or even like coaching. Coaching. Yeah, mm-hmm. teaching, discipleship, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Human resources, mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. And so, our assessments pinpoint that. And then one of the things that those of you who are called to the marketplace will not is that it pinpoints your call to the marketplace. Yes. You know, it pinpoints that. And it will do it in one of two ways. It will say this is, you know, your call to the marketplace, or either it will say it as a secondary thing that God has called you to do, which means you are meant to be minister and marketplace. Mm-hmm. So you can find out. That's a lot. Now, even what I just shared with you, is an amazing amount of information on the subject, on you. Can you imagine getting a document on the subject of you, just you, all about you? You know, you want, to, you want something that's all about you. Let's start with these assessments here, the MAQ. When you go online, hit the minister's, at, uh, assess, what is it? minister's aptitude questionnaire and then the prophetic or prophet's aptitude questionnaire. And the reason they're separate, I don't want you, if you have not worked as a prophet, been bona fide as a prophet, I don't want you to take the prophet because if you do, it's like going to a music school being stopped you know, stunned they're teaching music. That's all. That's all, all they teach teaching is music. Right. Well, you went to a music school. So I want you to start out with the MAQ, the Minister's Aptitude Questionnaire. And I want you to do that because it talks about you as a minister. If your prophetics or apostolics or any other five-fold uh, um, office show up there, then we put you in that assessment. Lastly, Apostles, yours is coming. I know there are a lot of, of, of chief apostles and senior, senior apostles would love to know if the young people passing their, their way or coming through their doors are really apostles and prophets, how to know, and also how to train and develop them. Well, January's the month. <laughs> I'm a little noisy. I'm noisy today, aren't I? I'm just a little bit noisy. All right, picking up. Yes. And so watch for it and, you know, watch our site for it. We have a special introductory program for those of you who are interested in the apostle. Now, here's what's good about it. It is not an aptitude. It is a diagnostic. And literally, it's probing and digging into your, your soul, your psyche, to tell you what you ought to do as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you don't want to miss them. We had a great time. How are we doing? Can we purchase the assessment uh, for gifts? Yes. You can. And if you're going to do that, you need to indicate to us in the notes that you're not taking it for yourself and provide the information to the person that you're buying it for. Because we need the to right. we'll need we their email to, uh-huh. so that we can send it. So primarily their email, there's a place for you to put a note when you purchase. You need to make sure that you put the email address of the person that you're purchasing the assessment for. Absolutely. I promise you, you will want it. And so we'll talk again about this, but pass this on, because there might be people who couldn't listen to us today. Share, 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 share. Hey, Ashley, what should they do? Share. Yay. Okay, we're moving over to Blog Talk, walking down the hall to our Blog Talk position. Hey, 
you will make sure that you go back and listen to this again today. A lot of information passed. Have a great afternoon. Enjoy your lunch. Ha ha. See you Sunday. All right. You've been listening. You've been listening live to the Paula Price Show today. We are here live every Thursday at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. Again, blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. That's where you can find us every Thursday from 11 a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. We are about to get to your calls here in the second hour. So what we need you to do is press number one. If you have not already, we need to be sure that we get to your call in the queue. So press number one one right now if you would like to speak with Dr. Price so we can go ahead and get to your call. She's going to be taking calls shortly. We want to encourage you to take advantage of our assessment sale and how you do that is by visiting us online at www.drpaulaaprice.com. Again, www.drpaulaaprice.com. Click Take an Assessment. It'll take you right there to our assessment center online at PPM Global Resources. And then you'll be able to, t- to click on the minister's assessment or on the profit's assessment. There is a bonus assessment for the minister's assessment that gives you more time in your advisement. The bonus is not on sale, but that is an option for you if you want to extend the time that you have to review your results. So again, visit us at www.drpaulaaprice.com so that you can take an assessment and take advantage of the assessment sale. The minister's assessment is on sale for $45 through the end of the year. The profits assessment is on sale for $50 through the end of the year. We're only sending this till December 31st. So make make sure you take advantage of this amazing deal and tell a friend or two. If you haven't logged on to Facebook and become a, a follower of Dr. Price's page, we encourage you to do that right now. Visit us on facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price, and you'll be able to find her there under Apostle Paula Price on Facebook. We encourage you, log on to Facebook, like Dr. Price's page. You'll get access to videos, information, quotes, deals, books and resources, everything that is involved in the Paula Price Ministries world. You can get there. You can get that right online at facebook.com slash Dr. Paula Price. We again want to give a big, big shout out to our Twitter family this morning. We love and appreciate you. We cannot do what we we do without you, without you, your help, without you spreading the word, especially via Periscope and Facebook. And every time you spread the word, it helps us to get the Paula Price Show to more people. So we want to say thank you, a big thank you today to our Twitter followers. I'll be shouting out some names uh, when we come back at the top of the new year, going to be just acknowledging our Twitter family. So we want to thank you so much. If you haven't downloaded the Periscope app yet, you need to make sure that you download that app. It's Periscope. You can download Periscope so that you can always tune in to the first part of the show, which is via video. So again, do that. Download your Periscope app so that you never miss when we are going live via video. Next Monday, Dr. Price will start with Wisdom for Living. So you want to stay tuned to that. That's what's going to become important to follow her on social media. You can follow her on Twitter, and her handle there is at Dr. Paula Price. So to be on all of our social media, we're going to let you know how you can tune in to Wisdom for Living. It's going to be powerful. So we're excited to be able to bring a new uh, broadcast to you guys 
It's quick wisdom from Dr. Price herself. All right. Now we are going to he- we're going to go ahead and get ready to take your calls right now. So again, press that number one if you're just now joining us on the line because we want to get to your calls here in this last half hour of the broadcast. I'm going to turn it back over to Prophet Ashley for some more announcements. Prophet Adia, thank you, and we'll be right back after these messages. I, I wanted to take a few minutes to tell you why you want to get this course. Yes, you want to know who you are. Yes, you want to know what God sent you to do. But it is not enough to know thyself. You need to know those that the Lord has assigned to work with you, to labor with you, to understand you, to hold up your hands, and to understand that they are not just volunteers helping out, but they are fixtures. They are affixed to your commission. They are your fixtures. They are your pillars, your founders, your ground. They're your communicators, your extenders, whatever you want to call them, and it's all of that. You need someone to fit all of those capacities. And so I want you to consider using my brand new teaching, building your commission team, stage one, if you're an apostle or an apostolic minister, because it's all the same. But what distinguishes what this teaching does is not that we're telling people about their ministry. No, we're taking people who are already in ministry or who are predisposed to ministry and who are competent or show potential for competency. And we're telling them, you're assigned to not just help me preach the word or help me spread the word, you're assigned to help me establish something in the earth, build it from the ground up or fortify it if it's already in existence and expand it. You want a commission team is about perpetuity, not just performance. And that is what commission training is. So may I encourage you to go to my website and to click I want this commission team. You can go to ppmglobalresources.com and say, I didn't understand it. Now I know. And it's going to give you a blueprint. And then it's going to give you criteria, and it's going to give you standards, and it's going to give you protocols, but it's also going to give you some policies and procedures as well as practices. And all together, we come alongside you as you begin to identify those that God's called to help you do more than go on a mission. We want to help you identify those who are called to become fixtures of your apostleship commission, of your apostolic commission. Again, that's drpaulaprice.com or ppmglobalresources.com. Hi, my name is Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for a riveting and exciting discussion of my favorite book by my favorite author, Yes, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by the one and only Dr. Paula Price. Join us on our weekly journey of studying the history of eternity as it's been revealed through Scripture. Learn your God, learn your world, learn yourself, and even your Savior before time began. We're going to discuss revelationary answers to age-old questions like, how did we get here? Why does our planet exist? Does it have a creator? What was on his mind concerning us? And why did he bring Christ and Christianity into our world? Topics like these and more we'll be discussing every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can join us on Facebook Live or by Periscope. 
For more information, visit www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com. Hello, my name is Prophet Dr. O. Spears, and I'm the author of Coaching Leadership Families. And I'd like to give you some really good news from Dr. Paula A. Price and PPM Global Resources. They have decided to appoint me as the new family advisor with a focus on encouraging, strengthening, and supporting apostolic, prophetic, and fivefold families in the body of Christ. I am honored to accept this position. And if you have any questions or you want more information or you'd like to schedule a family advisement, please contact Prophet Ashley Clater at 877-419-1299 or email us at admin at ppmglobalresources.com. New Era Apostleship Restitution, or NEAR, is a kingdom collaborative founded by Dr. Paula Price that unites God's New Era ministries, visions and ventures, businesses and professionals in powerful, productive, and profitable ways that are mutually beneficial to all involved. Based on your level of membership, joining NEAR will give you access to assessment-based coaching and mentorship, personal ministry training and education, ministry credentialing and accreditation, spiritual covering and intervention, vision and ministry development, business and professional development, and more. Visit www.joinnear.com for membership and benefits information. That's www.joinnear.com. All right, and we are back for the second portion of today's Paula Price Show with Dr. Price going live to our callers online. Dr. Price, are you ready to tackle their issues once again? Hold on. Holding on. Yes. Yes. My answer to you is yes. I'm working <laughs> it through. Excellent. You Are you ready for your first caller? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. First, we have calling from Florida, Monique. And Monique is calling for prayer for direction today. Monique, welcome to the Paula Price Show. You know what? Hold on, Dr. Price. My technology is hopefully not freezing. Come on. Come on. Slow internet today. It'll work. God, mm. thank you for loosening the internet in Jesus' name. Come on. Okay, well, let me try and let me just try and do a quick refresh. Um, while that is happening, Dr. Price, once again, thank you for your words of wisdom and insight. The first portion of today's broadcast, always changing lives here, um, as we do, as we do what we do in the kingdom. It's it's just really, um, I don't know. It's kind of shocking and astounding to continue to find out how much we don't know. 
Well, it's a stunner to me when I realize that, you know, the Lord has been holding back, too. You know, you, we just, God will release himself when it's proof fruitful. The Lord will not move and act in a very impulsive or fruitful manner. He wants to get the most out of what he does. And when he can't get the most out of it, kind of like in this particular, um, in this particular, what do you call it, um, dispensation of the church, this particular age of the church, he, he knew he couldn't get these revelations out for two reasons. One, his people weren't ready to hear it because they had, did not have enough of a scriptural foundation. And two, they were so saturated with what was, you know, contemporary Christianity. I, I don't even understand how somebody could talk about a contemporary Christianity. Christianity is not time-bound. It's eternal. And so I wow. think for those two reasons, Ashley, they could not, literally could not be uh, exposed to this, these answers. And thirdly, I'm, I will add a third one to my list, and that is people had to find out the wrong, the results and the fruit of the doctrine they were feasting on in order for them to dis- discover or even consider that maybe they need something else. When people start crying out to God in prayer, it's got to be more than this. There has got to be more to God than this. This cannot be it, and on and on and on. Or crying out to God about the, with the wounds and the uh, repercussions of what they did believe and follow, then God said, okay, now I can download some truth. That's good, and that's true because... Okay, everyone, this is Prophet Ashley. I've reconnected on the line. Right now we're working to get Dr. Price back on the line. We're experiencing some technical issues today with our phones. So just hold on one second. But how many know success doesn't just fall on you? I mean, how many know success takes work? I know that when I first decided I was going to be successful, I thought I'd get up and do what I saw and it would work. I failed miserably. How about you? Did it again two, three, four times, still didn't work. It took a while for me to realize that it takes work to be successful. Even if you are a one-hit wonder, the rest of the hits are going to be training you to stay there. Saul was the first hit wonder. Showed up looking for donkeys, end up on the throne. How would you like that? No class, no training, no development, just, hey, you now own a country. Huh? Wait a minute. You didn't, nobody told me, I, I work for my father's business. How do you mean I own a com- country? Well, you do. You now own a country. You are now the guy who has to decide who wins the wars, who doesn't, who eats, who doesn't eat, who runs the government, who sits in the seat of government, who handles your military. You're it. Tag your it. Now, I'll tell you something. When God makes you it too soon, he doesn't expect you to last too long. Write that in your notes. When God makes you it too soon, he doesn't expect you to last too long. David, on the other hand, 17 years of hell, tormented by the people in power, the powers that be, because they saw that he was the replacement. And so for 17 plus years, this man looks like the last thing that's going to happen to him is that the word of the Lord is going to come to pass. Some of you all know what I mean. I've told people when God gives you a powerful word, a really powerful word, 
He's going to give it to you when you know nothing. And you're going to think, hey, it's go time. Understand, on the hills of a powerful word is the highway to hell. Because success comes through the fire, through the storm, through the rain, through the hell, through hell. If you think you're supposed to make it like that, it's because you don't intend to be there long and you don't intend to be good at it. Because excellence takes time. Success takes work. Excellence takes time. I need you to hear that. My job as your pastor as the apostle of this house and this move, my job is to make you successful. Now, God likes making people who've come from no place, going nowhere, successful. So we're all in good company. You ever notice that God will make, and if you are somebody, the first thing he's going to do is what? Make you nobody. God makes a nobody out of the somebodies so they can be everybody's champions. And so some of you all, you're like, hey, when we've had it, folk come through. Oh, no, I'm too big. I'm too great. Don't worry about it. If you're part of what God's going to keep, you're going under. Whatever God's going to keep, he's gonna go, they're going to go under. First of all, you're going to be on the road to Damascus. Glory to God. Then God's going to knock you off your high horse. He's going to make you go broke or make you wish you were broke. And then he's going to make you nobody for you to be somebody. Grace, can you hear me? Hello, I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you. This is wonderful. Yes, I can. All right. Do we still have Monique from Florida? We do have Monique from Florida. She is on the line calling in today for prayer for direction. Monique, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I am glad to hear from you, Monique, and thank you for our technical difficulties. Today. Oh, no problem. No problem. Uh-oh, I think I lost you guys. Are you still on? Hello? I still hear you. I hear you. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, barely. Well, uh, my phone is up as loud as I can. Is that working? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, all right, because I'm I'm thinking, hallelujah, let's go on. Let's get what we're moving. Obviously, we're having some wireless destabilization today, so this is an entirely different phone, and we're still there. So let's get into it so we don't lose you. Okay. Um, I am calling um, <clears throat> for direction, as Prophet Ashley said, um, I'm kind of, I've been going through something for some years now, and I really would like to hear the word of the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm having contention with my mother and other family members, and um, I would like to go back to 
school, and it just seems like every time I sign up for school, I'm ready to go. I get hit with all these distractions, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to even go to school now, if that's not where the Lord has me. Um, and also, again, with um, there are some issues with my mother. I'm just experiencing a lot of rejection from my family, and it just seems that, like, the closer that I walk with the Lord, the more that he starts to refine me, the more the rejection is. And it's almost to the point where, like, I mean, I honestly can say I feel that my mother hates me. And, and we end up arguing every time we're on the phone. I'm not allowed to talk about Jesus. Yeah, that's heavy. Like that's really you know, Say that again? I said, yeah, that is a lot. That's very hard to take, especially late in life. Yes. Yeah. So, and so, can I ask you? I, let me ask you this: Has your mom gone through any kind of health changes or trauma or emotional upsets? Um, not recently. Not recently. No, she just um kind of wants to live a life of sin and do her. It's always been like that with her. It's all about her and what she wants to do, how she wants to live life, and everyone else just has to jump on board. And so when I finally put my foot down and didn't allow myself to be manipulated anymore and just, you know, give her money and all that, um, you know, she just began to hate me. I mean, can you say that again? I didn't hear all of it. Oh, I was saying that, you know, um, when I just decided to put my foot down and decided, decided not to um, give her money and not to um, be manipulated by her and not give her money and just put my foot down and say, you know, I just I, I, I can't have you keep controlling me like this, um, it just became even harder. And so, yeah, she just she just hates me. She really doesn't want to deal with me. And um, I have kids, and I want my kids to know her, and just, you know, it's, it's just getting worse. Well, let me ask, so the whole idea, the whole idea, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Um, but the whole idea of her, being wanting to live her own life, what is that? What she's always done, or is that something that's kind of recent? Um, she's always kind of been like that. It's, it's like always that. been about it's her. About her um, um, nothing is her fault. Everything is about what she deserves in life. Life to the full. I mean, you know, life is party, party, and that's how she's her life. Okay, so. This has always been the case, so there's nothing new. So what what caused the turn of her emotion, or better yet, what caused the intensification? What increased her um, displeasure with you to the point that you feel like she hates you? Is um, it a dating um, time or, or an incident? Uh, me really getting saved. Um, I've always known the Lord, you know, just been a lukewarm Christian, you know. So when the Lord really does what does he mean? He does something out of me and delivered me. He started working on me. You know, she just didn't like it. Okay. She just didn't like it. 
So here's what I'm thinking. Um, first of all, I'm thinking that uh, what's happening to you is normal. Can I say that? Yes. When you get well, when you get saved, and other family members are completely against salvation or against Christ, or they don't want religion in their life, doesn't even have to be Jesus. Um, when um, when that happens, it's normal. People will, you know, sanctification is real. You know, sanctification. God begins to pull you from your your um, earthly family and pull you closer to Him. Clearly, the Lord has plans for you that include you being more accessible to him and less available to them. And so what you're witnessing is that consecration process where the Lord begins to pull you away and he begins to make things not comfortable with them and make them uncomfortable with you. Uh, There are a lot of reasons for that, but one of them that he says uh, is to lessen their influence on you. Because when it comes time for God to summon you into what he wants, he doesn't want to go through a three-, four-, five-year battle with you and your family. So if he's already doing this work, then he's actually uh, distancing you from your mom and her life. Now, let me tell you something that people don't realize, and you might appreciate this. People don't realize when you have loved ones who are committed to staying in the world and doing a thing for the world, you are you don't just get that loved one. You get everything, every spirit they take on, every uh, belief, every deal they whatever, all of their exposure. It becomes an infection that turns into an infestation of their sphere, and you get that. So you, there are reasons why God is making you want to, and forcing you, because you don't want to do it, forcing you to distance yourself from your mom. Now, you have to decide, because here's where we come down to the choose, choose you or choose ye whom you will serve. You have to make some hard decisions. You want that life to stay the same, and yet you want the Christ life with someone who doesn't want Christ. That can't happen. All right, so... It's, it's difficult because I know you've sat in a lot of, you know, if you're a good Christian like most of us, you've sat in a lot of prayer meetings, God's going to save your mother, going to bring him home, and you've got all of them things, all of that swirling around in your head that's not playing out in the theater of life, real life. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to make some decisions. That's number one. Number two, for you to be distracted by family who, doesn't, who, who really does not want to serve the Lord to the point that you are risking your future security, i.e. school, is a little bit short-sighted. Just because, just because God gives us a word. You know, we think God is a, is a road paper. Just because God gives us a word to go and do something doesn't mean he goes to pave the roads with smoothness and blacktop so that you don't have to wrestle with it, you don't have to struggle with it. You know, you don't have to do that. But now it's different. So you're free to go to school and tell them you need to call somebody else. I have class. I have a test. I have an exam. The question is, are you committed to school? Are you there? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was rhetorical. Yes, I'm I'm committed to school. Um, I I really want to go. I just, like I said, I just keep getting hit with distractions. Not even necessarily not even my mom, but random people that come into my mind. And so I'm going to make sure that I have not time to in my flesh or in the wrong Okay, so let me just help you out. 
whether you go to school in your flesh or the wrong spirit or something, betterment is always a good thing. Unless God told you no, then it's a go. If he has people should not turn, turn your yes to no. What I'm concerned about you right now, Monique, as I'm listening to you, is that you are everybody's woman. Yes, yes. You are everybody's woman, everybody's everything, and not Christ. Because if you were committed, if you said you were committed, you wouldn't even think about it. You're kidding. i got to finish school. I paid my money. I have to get my degree. I have a career waiting for me. I need to secure my future. No, this is about you learning to be your own woman and Christ woman, for starters. People coming into your life, are you kidding? Folk go to school with five, six kids, a full-time job, a bunch of crazy in-laws, and they still go to school and finish. So you, to me, looks like you're looking for excuses not to take on the pressure. You don't want the pressure of school. You want the prestige, and so certainly you want the promotion, but you don't want the pressure. Like when your phone rings, you don't have to answer it. You you do answer it, but you don't have to. If you if you're doing homework, do homework. When you let people know school is important, they'll respect it. I've learned that. I've watched it over the years. People disrespect what you vacillate on or what you yourself don't really commit to. So noncommittal will breed outside disrespect of what you're attempting to do. Mm-hmm. So when you start breeding, when you start respecting it, look, I told you all I got to go to school. Or unplug the phone or let the voicemail get it today, you don't have to be distracted by much. So when you put your foot down, because you are serious, other people will begin to say, well, I, I was going to call you, but I didn't call you because I thought that perhaps you'd be in school or you'd be studying. Right. So this is not about people, and this is not about your mom. This is 100% about you. Here's what I would like to suggest to you, if you would permit me. I would suggest mm-hmm. that you sign up and get a, for a prophetic advisement and that if you're going to go to school, you need to spend a little bit of time with our prophet advisors. You need to help somebody explore this thing in you. You need to have somebody help you dig into it in a safe place. Because one of the things I've known is people like you who feel like you owe everybody, that's because you don't feel safe in the world. Does that make sense to you? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm the person that has to please everyone and help everyone else. When it comes to me, I'm like, I don't know if this is even what I want. And so, yes, it makes sense. Well, considering your mother's lifestyle and her commitment to uh, her own party life and her own uh, fleshly desires and satisfactions, it's not um, it's not unexpected for you to feel that way. You feel like you never got affirmation. You never got real parental affirmation, certainly not from your mom. You don't have a female role model that is useful to the to your conversion because you know you know there's a role model for you being unsaved, but then you don't you need to get those in your life for the saved. So you don't have role models that can you know nurture your conversion. And then you don't have people to affirm what you want to do, which is why it's hard for you to make a decision about anything. No, that's true. 
And so what we want to do is get you into this session. When this is over, go to drpaulaprice.com and uh, hit the button that says uh, uh, an, uh, I'm sorry, scheduling an advisement. When you schedule the advisement and you get your 30-minute follow-up uh, interview, sign up for at least, at least a minimum of six months of advisement um, with one of the whatever profit gets your account. Sign up for six months. You've got to dig into this because perhaps that might be why God is not easing your path into school because you've got to become sure of you. If you're never sure of you, you're never sure of who, what you can do. Mm. And so I see a lot of uncertainty. I see a lot of great moments in your life just blown off like they didn't matter. I see a lot of your efforts ignored or dismissed. There's a whole lot that you really need God to deal with. And I frankly would love for you to take a 12-month program because you really need that long Mm -hmm. just for you to feel good about you. Mm. So, You'll do that. Again, it's going to be drpaulaaprice.com, and you're going to go and say you're going to schedule a prophetic advisement, and then you're going to walk through this this particular journey and, and, and walk through, if we've got to be gracious to us, undo a lot of this. The damage has been done to your confidence, your self-perception, and then also dislodge all of your guards and all of your protectors that won't let you go forward in life. Those are the two things that I see coming out of your advisement sessions. Okay. Amen? Sounds good to me. All right, so we're going to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for who you are, all you are, and everything that you've done. Lord, you are the almighty, you're the great I am, and we bless you for it. Now, God, I ask that you could continue to develop and really unfold these truths to Monique so that she can do what you want her to do in life. I praise you, Lord, for her advising the sessions, producing and addressing that which we have covered today and anything else, Lord, you think needs to be undone and also installed in her life. I bless you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Dr. Price, you want to slide one more in? Do we have time? Because I. Well, what is, let me, it's kind of tight. What is it, seven minutes? Well, let's see if this is one of those people. If this person is long winded, we're going to have to have them call back because, you know, we get the long winded ones and they. Don't give me a chance to say much. Well, you you know this one. This is Tasha calling from Florida. She needs some counsel and insight about the daycare, um, what she should do as far as direction. And, of course, my Internet is cutting up again. I'm not understanding this. I know. I'm looking at it coming in and out here um, as well. If she's still on, if not, you tell Tasha she is a daughter Tell her to schedule time. She can find you. Okay. She's my daughter. She will do it. All right. I will let her know because we're still spinning. So take it. Take us on out, Dr. Price. I'm going to do that. Father, thank you so much for what you've done. Lord, thank you for the fruit that you've borne, the seeds you've sown, and the breakthrough healings and deliverances that you yourself have 
are wrought for us in this day, in this session, Lord, and even in this show. God, get your harvest out of it. I thank you for every caller that was shut off. I speak healing. I speak deliverance, and I speak breakthrough. For everything that the that technology, that Satan used technology to derail, right now, God, I rise up above it, push back on it, and I command it mm, to come online and to be for all of you that I didn't get to pray for, I pray your breakthrough. I pray your deliverance. I pray your healing. I pray your victories. I pray the healing on your family. I pray the maturity of your family and even of yourself. I pray for your churches and all that God has in your world and in your sphere, and I pray for it. I push out the darkness, flood it with light, and give God the glory in every regard. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Don't forget Sunday, Scripture Organic, Culture Unmodified, at the Congregation of the Mighty, Ecclesial Embassy. Have a blessed rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Sow a Seed. Donate today. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.